Hey everybody, it's Ian Reed Twist, the pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in Novi, Michigan. And today's sermon was preached on August 11th, 2019. And uh, the passage was Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, and 8 through 16. So again, kind of a sliced up reading. But um, I will read it first, um, and so if you want to skip the reading straight on to the sermon, just skip ahead about a minute and 52 seconds, and that'll get you there. Okay. A reading from Hebrews. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven, and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith, without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Last Sunday, as I was greeting people at the door after the service, one worshiper hung back to ask me a question. Why would God let this happen? She wanted to know. She was, of course, referring to the two mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton the previous day. Her friend had explained to her that God gave us free will to sin, and that's why the shooters did what they did, made the choices they made. But she didn't find this answer very persuasive. Why would a just and good and omnipotent God allow that and I told her the truth I don't know I don't know why innocent people suffer unjustly I don't know why evil gets visited on the undeserving it's the great unresolved problem of faith I told her it's a question for which I have no truly satisfying answer. And on that point, I had the impression that she agreed with me. Even when I added, 
what I nonetheless do believe, that God is with us when we suffer, suffering alongside us, that that's part of what God becoming human and dying on the cross means. And who's to blame her? I'd like a more comforting moral accounting of the universe as well. But I've come to the conclusion that it's better to be truthful than to recite some theological mumbo-jumbo that I myself have trouble buying into. And in the face of immense suffering, it's sometimes even better to be silent than to say anything at all. So what then of faith? What of faith in a world where God sometimes seems so unconscionably reluctant to intervene? How are we supposed to maintain faith? What exactly are we supposed to have faith in? Our reading from Hebrews today, I think, offers us some wisdom. This text refers to faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the passage goes on to list a number of biblical characters. Some of this passage has been cut out by the lectionary. A number of biblical characters who did what God called them to do by faith, even though they died without ever having received the promises God made to them. In other words, they did what was right without evidence that it would make a difference. They did what was right even when, from a distance, they could hardly make out the things hoped for and the things not seen. The passage mentions Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham from the Old Testament. It might also make us think of Moses leading his people for 40 years through the wilderness toward a promised land he eventually laid eyes on but did not live long enough to enter. I think then also of Martin Luther King Jr. echoing Moses' story to his followers in a sermon on the night before he was shot with the words, I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Conviction of things not seen. So for Hebrews, faith is not about seeing or knowing clearly. It's about acting in spite of not knowing. It's about doing as if what you are doing will make a difference in building God's kingdom with no guarantee that it will. And with this in mind, we might consider how social change really does happen in our world. I've now been kicking around this planet long enough to remember a time when for example, gay slurs were an unremarkable part of the cultural lexicon, and gay rights 
were some radical lefty notion that seemed permanently shut out of the political conversation and possibility. Now, I'm not saying we're even close to where we need to be on LGBTQ issues or even that we're not experiencing backsliding. But I'll tell you what, the national shift to recognizing marriage as a same-sex right came like a bolt of lightning out of a blue sky. It felt so sudden. In reality, activists had been fighting for that right a long, long time. And on the inside of that effort, I'm sure it felt like trying to break down a five-foot-thick cement wall with a Nerf bat, year in and year out. Many who devoted themselves to this project died before any gains could be made. They had no way of knowing that their efforts would ever result in anything positive. But they kept at it. They agitated, and they fought, and they lobbied, and they dialogued. They acted by faith. They acted as if. And lo and behold, as suddenly and unpredictably as the fall of the Berlin Wall, the politics on the issue changed. Things hoped for came to be. Things not seen blossomed into view. Major societal changes often seem to happen in this way. The slow, steady, and often disheartening work of building to that point where things suddenly tip towards justice. It could be that way with our gun violence problem, too. Right now, every time there's another mass shooting, everybody takes their places and rehearses the same tired old script, right? Shock and disbelief, the impromptu shrines to the victims, the calls for legislative change, beaten down by the lobbies that don't want it, until everything subsides back into the unchanged status quo. But what if something is shifting, something is building, each time we reenact that routine? What if the anger at the senseless inaction and the consensus about simple and obvious things we could do is slowly growing in strength until someday a tipping point is reached. Here's what I've decided to do so as to continue to act by faith despite the sometimes despair of this work. I've decided that for every life lost in a mass shooting in America, I'm going to give a dollar to an organization advocating for better laws. That may not seem like very much, but according to Gun Violence Archive, whose database I'm going to use, that's already $276 this year. And imagine what impact we could have 
if we all made some pledge like that, whatever is within our means that could help to build a voice and a lobby able to take on the interests that profit off of American death. I want to put my money where my values are. I want to honor the murdered by tying their deaths to some small act of resistance to the injustice that killed them. Now, of course, you're free to do what you think is best to solve this social issue. We don't have to agree. We don't have to agree on the solutions. But let's do something. Let's not succumb to cynicism and despair. Let's not allow the seemingly immovable wall of resistance to daunt us. The faith that we are called to is not a faith that has all the answers. It's a faith that is willing to work towards solutions in the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Amen. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, holycrossnovi, that's N-O-V-I, dot org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week, and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.